Welcome back once again. <laughs> we this is Northern Goal, and I gave you a warning. Go Cougars! Holy cow! Yes, he did. Then that that he is Benji, known as Alaskuton on Twitter, and I am Jake. Yes, known as the Mighty Alaskan Ute, and the two of us make up Northern Goal, which was a clever, um, clever play on words, right? A couple a couple fans from the north. Yeah. Fourth and gold, north and gold, beautiful. Anyway, welcome to our our podcast this week, and let's just kick it off. Benji. I always feel a moment. I feel a moment of pride when I like I go to link to the Twitter, like so people can listen, and so I will Google North and go, and it's like the earlier it predicts what you're looking for, the more pride I feel. It'll be like G O, and then the auto like anticipating what I'm typing is saying North and Gold podcast. Like people know North and Gold. Is a podcast, dude. And you know so, what? I hey, I uh, I met one of our fans in the wild this last week, like legit. Yeah. At, at the at the Utah football game. Oh, nice. He sits a couple rows behind me, and I don't remember his name because the interaction is so fast. He was supposed to hit me up on Twitter so I could give him a shout out, but he was yeah, walking yeah. to a seat. And said, "Hey, I love I love your podcast." I was like, oh, "Really?" No I was like, "Dude, oh, that's awesome." He's like, "Yeah, you guys do awesome." I was like, "What's your name?" And he told me, but. You know, the game was going on and lots of lots of stuff. So I yelled yeah. to him, hit me up on Twitter, man, so I can follow you and give you a shout-out. But he never did. So oh, if, nice. when you're listening, my man, in W14, row 46, hit yeah. me up, brother, so I can you, follow you. And I appreciate you know the love. You are. That's awesome. Yep. I have a sneaking suspicion, and I, I don't want to admit this because it, it might change the whole direction of everything here. I think we have like 95% Ute listeners. <laughs> oh, really? I don't know. Because we got a powerful online presence, baby. The world is our campus, our digital footprint. You know it. <laughs> it feels like, just based on the Twitter interactions, we get a lot of you fans that are like, hey, man, love the show, love the podcast. You, you, and, and it's great. You know, it, I'm not going to count you as less of a person than a BYU follower. <laughs> I just have yet to have like a real avid, hardcore BYU follower be like, hey, man, great stuff. So. You know, if if I there are part of that, any though, BYU is... listeners, actually, I take that back. There's um, a guy from the from Juno that lived up there. He's a he was at the game last week, and uh, he mentioned that to me. Oh, so yeah. we've got at least one. Yeah, yeah, and I think part of the problem is this is we're only in our second year, and the first yeah. year was last year, and you know BYU season was so up and down. It's hard to it's hard to get pumped to listen to these things after a loss, you know. But if things are going the way you're trending, maybe we'll start raking in those BYU fans, yeah, and then we'll have a I mean, we'll go from what three million listeners per episode to six, seven million listeners yeah, per episode. Yeah, we might step up our sponsor game at that point. That's that's awesome. As always, we are sponsored by Soda Flow out there in North Salt Lake, Bountiful area. Come get some yep, good North soda. North Salt Lake, Bountiful Soda Flow, purveyor of the finest specialty coffees, uh, flavored sodas, and snacks and treats. Known by mankind over there in Foxborough off of Redwood Road, Soda Flow. Stop on by. All right, boy. All right, dude. Let's jump into this. You go first. Tell me. Well, that was a good segue, actually. So I was going to mention preseason and shortly after the Utah loss, I I had read some people with the same sentiment that I had of years and years and years ago as a BYU fan. It was easy to get way into it preseason and read up on the new players, where they're from, watch their high school highlights, and like get seriously psyched up. Now that may to some degree have contributed to the narrative that the Ute fan base loves of preseason champs, you guys get way too excited for nothing. There was a time when it was fun to get into all that. 
And lately, it hasn't been as much. For a lot of us that are like the main core of the fan base, not the fanatical fringe fans, but the main core, you know, let's go in with a little bit of optimism, but I don't want to have my heart broken again. And so it's been for years where you say, yeah, I don't really want to invest in learning all the players' names and getting to know the details, this, this, because the reward just isn't there like it used to be. That, That tide is turning. I feel like after these past two weeks, it's fun to get way into it and to learn about the players and to be more and more emotionally invested in the program. These exciting wins, these overtime wins, holy cow, this is awesome. And I had the thought, I was just pondering this morning, like, all right, we're going to record. What am I going to share? What are my thoughts? And I thought, imagine how Tom Homo must feel right now. Because you set out with these lofty goals of, we want to go independent we want to be able to take on anyone. And we're scheduling like, what, eight years in advance, 10 years in advance. You don't know who's going to be up and down any given year. So you say, Tennessee, USC, sure, bring them on. That is lofty. That is very lofty. And then you say, not only that, we want to play them. We want to play an exciting brand of football. I was reading last week, chunk plays are up. The, the percentage of plays that go for 15 yards or more, we are doing better at that this year than we have for years and years and years. So exciting football is back. Football against great programs is back and playing in front of like billions of people, probably not billions, but having like the prime slot, middle of the day, ABC, two weeks in a row, you can't ask for better than that. Now, I guess you could. The only thing that would be if I were to try to be picky and selfish would be let's have this excitement be in October and November. But you know what? Everybody else, the eyeballs October, November, they're going to be on on your powerhouses like your Clemson, your Alabama, your Utah. Your Utahs. You know, you're going to be focusing yeah. on bigger programs. So I, I'll take it. If everybody else is focusing on these huge monster schools then, for BYU, this is, the I think, as good as you can get, is saying right now when the excitement isn't there, let's have people like – and people have been pointing out the Google trends. People are interested. People want to know. And then, man, I'm, I'm like just going and going and going. You can jump in if you want, but I've got I've got some more thoughts. No man, it sounds like uh, sounds like your 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 dauber is pointed <laughs> in the uh, the upward position. Am I right? You look, things are trending how you like, huh? My dauber. Do, do we name what's my dauber? <laughs> I, I don't know. You, you know, don't get your dauber down. <laughs> I feel like my dauber's up. Sure. Um, yeah. No. The other thing that I think is so cool, and this is just this sweet, and this is the petty fan in me, is after all the preseason of hearing how delusional all BYU fans are because of those fringe fans, and because like when people say, "Oh, they think Zach Wilson is this," they think Zach Wilson is that, to then sit there and listen along with the rest of the country at national people calling this guy the Mormon Manziel. And then to have uh, Diane Gawalaku and Jeff Grimes both garner national weekly awards this week, like player of the week in that position for the whole country, that's not delusional. That is sweet. That is so cool. Like, the, the eyes of the nation are upon us, and that's what we love. It's all about the exposure, you know? It's, it's such a fun ride right now. And I know I know the time's going to come when we're playing, like, Idaho State in November, whoever we've got in November, that that day will come, and, and Utah fans will then 
jump in with, oh, man, you hate to see it. Could you imagine playing a meaningless game uh, right now? Because Utah's going to have their like big like Oregon or whoever at that same time. And they're maybe going to have game day show up. And it's going to be awesome for Utah at some point in the season when it sucks for BYU. But that's okay because right now it's the exact opposite of that. Utah didn't really have a game this past week, and everybody's focusing on BYU. So it all evens out. I love it. I think it's great. Well, yes, lots – I mean, man – I guess the problem with with three minute rants is I had like twelve <laughs> replies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't remember any of them. The, let's have the, the moderator. All right, what all did I mention there? Yeah. We need a moderator. So screw it. Let's just let's just jump into your game. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about your game. Okay, so one thing I wanted to ask you. Okay, yes. So you go in, you play USC. They're ranked. You're on ABC. Um, yeah. Keaton Slovis throws three interceptions. You guys win in overtime. So yes. I want to know, does this win actually count? Because I know how your fan base hates turnovers and hates counting turnovers because I can tell you many times after games in the rivalry this last nine years, it's like, yeah, but the you take away the turnovers, it's an even game. We gifted them all those points. So let me ask you, are you counting this uh, USC game as a victory? Well, of course. I mean, turnovers that go our way count. We all know that. You know that. <laughs> that's what I was wondering. Okay. Yeah, okay, that, that makes was the cool thing because well, yeah, yeah. Coach Witt jumped into that too in his press conference. Coach Witt was like, and and now I'm not criticizing him and I'm not taking offense, but his quote was something along the lines of, schematically, BYU didn't slow them down. They just happened to get turnovers. He sounded very much like a BYU fan right then, didn't he? I mean, he spent four hey, years he, in Provo, he was educated so. down there in Provo, <laughs> exactly. so yeah. <laughs> And and that's the thing is I to some extent agree with him, but I understand like you're gonna say that as the coach, you're not gonna say like, oh yeah, they did exactly what we're gonna do. Like you know, you you're of and course he, gonna he try did to mention deflect. that later in his statement. Yeah, he did mention that later in his statement. Like I don't want to give away, you know, I don't yeah. talk too much about it because it'll give away stuff. So I think that was taken a little out of context. BYU yeah. fans flipped out, which you know it's fine. We all flip out one way or the other. <laughs> but they they asked him what out. did I'm they sure, do? I'm sure it happened. There was. Um, yeah. You got to look in the right places. Anyway, so mm-hmm. they asked him, what did they do differently to slow them down? He's like, well, you know, they still had 450 yards of offense. It was it was really just the turnovers was the difference. And really, if you right. look head-to-head stat-wise, 450 yeah. to 430 total yards. Passing's yeah. pretty close. Running's almost identical. So really, it, the fact is, that is the difference in the game. Uh, yeah. But I just love it. I love it. Because I can't even tell you every like even this last year. Oh, well, you we gifted you fourteen points plus. You could count three more and blah blah because the turnovers. Otherwise, it's a close game. But now that it's over, I just I had I had to bring it up. So Here's you are thing. counting this as a win then. Here's the thing: when you're on the other side, you look at it and you're like, and and you gotta admit an interception that bounces off of a guy's helmet and there's an element of chaos involved, it's easy to look at that and say, that was lucky. And and I'm not saying that it's all lucky because, you know, having the helmet hit the football is part of the strategy, right? You want to create the chaos. But schematically, from, from the fan point of view, if it's your team doing it, you look at it and you say, oh, yeah, we only left three guys in the box. The linebackers all dropped back to create this motion and this this confusion for a uh, young quarterback and it worked like a charm and you'd say yeah that was we planned for those intercepts interceptions to happen now you play the game 10 times there's i'm sure there's some games where like we get five interceptions and there's probably a few games we get zero and lose but you know what it worked this time and so from when it's your team doing it you can say yeah this obviously this was our plan of course it was and then when it happens to you yeah, it's hey. like oh man that sucked you will never find me 
excusing it, uh, turnovers. It is, is an mm. absolutely huge part of the game. And it's dude, it's not only just part of the game, it's a huge part of the game, dude. I mean, For sure. when you it, it, I agree. And like I look at a couple let's just I mean just cuz it's fresh, the BYU, this last BYU Utah game, um, you know, the one the first one from from Zach Wilson where a night a pressured him left and then right and then tackled him as he's throwing. That's defensive yeah. pressure that caused that interception. Oh, yeah. You look at the the second interception, Tariq Lewis faked like he was going to stay on the short guy and then he jumped the route and so I mean, it's definitely part of the game. So you'll never find me saying, "Hey, for oh, sure. yeah, except for the interceptions." But I get it, dude. It's when when we when I lose games, I always point to crap like, "Oh, if you'd have just held on that stupid ball, it'd be a different game." So I get it. And yeah, we, you yeah, and I yeah. already pa- obviously passed the point where we understand that you know the color of our jersey affects a lot of our thinking, and it's fine. It's just the way fans are. It's not, there's no exactly. need to make an exception for it. Okay, so so as far as that game goes, though, tell me tell me your emotions and how you're feeling as it went along and, and what okay. stuck out to you. I have to admit uh, where I was wrong. So last week. Uh, I said if BYU plays a perfect game, they will win by one point. Now, the second half of that, winning in overtime, that's about as close as winning by one point. I mean, that's that's like dead even after 60 minutes or, yep. yeah, 60, 60 minutes. Uh, 60. But they didn't play a perfect game. On the rewatch, it just kills me because it's like it, it, this. I'm sure you can identify with this. Even though you know the outcome, you're watching these and you're like, ooh, we could have done this, we could have done this, we could have done this. BYU uh-huh. left a lot on the field. They did not play a perfect game and they still came out with a w against a team that has what did we say like 15 five-star recruits i mean they've got all the uh-huh. talent in the world we played yep, a little bit sloppy yeah played a little bit I, I think i read somewhere that they were number five in the nation with this squad as as far as their recruiting profile goes yeah oh they're B- always in the top 10 so that's for sure Doesn't yeah surprise me. byu played a good not great game and still won which which is what i love because that's the thing is you look ahead to Washington, and again, we're not favored. We're like, for the third straight week, we're underdogs. There's still room for, for BYU to improve, and I hope that they do that. I hope they watch the film and say, man, we could have beat USC by 21 points in regulation had we just like made this throw, had we just made this route read differently. You know, There's points we're leaving on the field, which uh, you hate to see, but I also love because it means there's room. We weren't playing our perfect game. It's possible to go have Washington come in next week and, and get out of there with a W. I'm not expecting it. We're getting too far ahead of ourselves there. But but I do love that. I love that BYU played good, not great, and still won. Yeah, okay. So who's the, who's uh, your player of the game? Kyrie's Tonga. Uh, and, and I know the all the guys with interceptions, Williger, Diane, uh, you know, the, you can't overlook them. But if Tonga had not done what he did – right there in, in the center of the line, just putting pressure, 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 a one-man wrecking crew, then that opens up the run game. They destroy us with that. There go the interceptions. So that guy holding his own and then some, again, against these elite, talented offensive linemen, holy cow, that guy earned himself a spot in the league on that game alone. I mean, everybody's watching, and this guy was a beast out there i would not be shocked to see him go pro after this year and first round or second at the latest i mean this guy was impressive yeah i mean there's a reason i mean utah had him i mean he had committed to utah when he went on his mission he's you know uh-huh. and, and and utah knows their d lineman you know so uh, if we felt like he was going to be a star which they did he's obviously yeah. a good player you know um, yeah okay so let me ask you then so now that you've seen three games 
Mm-hmm. Um, won a loss to Utah, won an overtime win to a, a crappy SEC team, and won an overtime win against a good, I feel, a good Pac-12 team. How, how do you feel your team? Do you think you guys – how do you feel you'll do the – I mean, obviously – you know, you look at last year, you go into Wisconsin, you were on the same high and things kind of took a turn. So how do you feel the team's going to play the rest of the year? You think you think you got a good squad? Yeah, I, I think, you know, and so I'd said expectations seven and five. Uh, I I want to adjust that, you know, midseason. I want to say, look, I, we'll probably lose next week. So we're going to have at least two. And looking down the rest of the stretch, we're going to drop one to either Boise State or Utah State, possibly even Toledo. People overlook Toledo because it's Toledo. You know, and so I feel like 9-3 and three is, is kind of where I want to see us end up. I'm a little optimistic. That being said, you know, heading going down with a winning record into week four, I've, I will not complain. You know, I, I like it. Yeah. And the other thing, too, man, from a recruiting standpoint, how many people locally – had committed to USC or Stanford because they could. And then here we're out there beating them. We're out there beating USC who beat Stanford. Like this does wonders for when our coaching staff goes into their homes and says, yeah, you could go play for them, but why not just go here? We, you know, I mean, and I'm not going to get into the whole hypothetical sales pitch here. We should do that some other episode. Let's do a recruiting episode sometime. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, I love it. I so, think hey, I mean, it, this year, as well as the overall trend of the decade, I think this is great. Good. And, you know, if you do finish 9-3, and three, then, yeah, dude, any time you get nine wins, I don't care who it's against. I don't care what your schedule is. You're a damn good team, yeah. which I love this because this brings up a point that I wanted to bring up. Yeah. It's got to be this – is, this is where it's, it's – it's, uh, BYU fans have to choose one side or the other because if you feel BYU is a good team – which uh-huh. you know looks like they are at this point. Yeah. Then that means Utah's a damn good team. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because a lot of times, I mean, want to discredit. Oh, Utah's so overrated. Utah sucks. Well, dude, if it wasn't for your benevolent overlord Kyle Whittingham, it'd be a, it would have been a twenty-five point <laughs> victory down there. Yeah. <laughs> dude, your head coach even said himself, "Classy move, Kyle. Classy move." So he admitted yeah. that we could have punched that in to win by twenty-five. So at this point, it's either Utah's really good, which is which is hard for BYU fans to admit, or BYU is not as good as they think, which also is hard for BYU fans a bit. So I love that you're in that predicament where you have to, you can't really <laughs> choose both. It's either, hey, yeah. BYU is good, which means Utah, because we dominated and won by 18, should have won by 25, is awesome, or Utah's overrated and BYU is not as good either. So I'm gonna, I like I'll that you have to choose one or the other. I'll put on the the fanatic fringe fan hat for a minute and say, well, yeah, Utah's good right now, but they're going to watch. They're going to have like all kinds of stuff catch up to them. They're going to have like... They're just – I don't know. I don't even want to say it. The no, way, I, I, the way I get, those I get fringe that's, that's the fanatics to- think is, is hey, yeah. watch, they're going to blow it. I, I don't think they that's will, That's the talking point. Yeah. Dude, that's the talking point with Utah is it's, oh, they'll choke in November. However, I like to believe as a fringe fan myself that last year we're, we're ranked, we're rolling, we're kicking trash – Boom, we lose Tyler Huntley for the year. In that same week, we lose Zach Moss for the year, both of them. And what did we do at that point? We won three out of four and Mm. won the South. So in my mind, I I like to say that's what broke the curse. That broke the November curse. We had a backup quarterback. We had a backup running back. We And we beat a good team, a nine-win Oregon team, on the first week without those guys. So I'm saying, boom, curse is broken. November curse is broken. We're rolling from here on out, man. No more of this November slide. You know what I'm saying? 
I don't feel right now that there is a better Pac-12 team than Utah. I mean, and the rankings bear that up, right? Is anyone ranked higher than Utah from the Pac-12? Nope, Utah is the highest. And, and that's the funny thing is people love to say Pac-12 sucks. That's the national narrative, right? Pac-12 yeah. sucks, Pac-12 sucks. When in reality, what the fact is, the Pac-12 just not does not have a super elite team like Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, or Oklahoma. Those that's the main difference because right now we have six ranked Pac-12 teams. Six, right? Half right. of the league is ranked. And oh, by the way, neither one of them are Stanford or USC. You know, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and half the team is ranked, so half the conference is ranked. So I, I think the Pac-12 is a good conference. It just doesn't have that super elite team like a Clemson, Bama, Oklahoma, or Ohio State, which the other four P5 leagues have. And that's the difference because you look at the ACC, bro. It's it's garbage from mm-hmm. like three to twelve. It's garbage. You look at the Big Twelve. I mean, everyone has their crappy teams. The Pac-12, in my opinion, is just as good as any other league without the main top super elite team is the problem. And and the thing that that, that really, if you think about it, that's the problem with USC being down is they're usually the elite team. We need them to become elite again to help the conference, but that's another story for another day. So I think the Pac-12 is a good conference. we got six ranked teams and Utah leading the way at number 10. Yeah, oh, I I wouldn't. I that's the trend, and if nothing changes, yeah, I think the Pac-12, not just the South, but the Pac-12, is Utah's for the taking. And I mean, there's a playoff spot waiting for you as long as you don't have the other four conferences suddenly put out super teams. You know, I I think uh, obviously if Utah's undefeated, they deserve a spot. So yeah, yeah. that's 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 what's unfortunate is we do I think do need to go undefeated um, because the SEC they get the benefit of the doubt they're one loss champ no matter who it is we'll get yeah. in. Um, same with you know Texas or Oklahoma they'll just they'll just get in. It was funny as a brand name like Ohio State last year they were the champ of the Big Ten and they didn't get in so it's yeah. pretty crazy. But yeah, I think I think for the Pac-12 it does need to be an undefeated team, um, and we also mm. need Notre Dame to lose because that takes that takes one of the spots too. You know? Right. Right. They do it real quickly. They just need to freaking expand to eight. Like it's just so dumb. It makes no sense. Yeah, eight is a perfect number in my opinion. They just anyway need to expand to eight. Oh, I agree. I mean, and that's that's in your best interest and my best interest. Eight gets an automatic spot for each of the power five, and then three extras to go around with. In in the hypothetical scenario that we BYU fans love to entertain, and that's an undefeated BYU against a, I mean our schedule. It's not a P5 schedule, but it's it's head and shoulders above a G5 schedule. I mean, it is solidly in that middle ground where if BYU were to run the table, I don't see how you possibly give that to a G5 over BYU. And so, I mean, having three spots available, yeah, yeah, that opens yeah. up the door for us. You look at you look at UCF, dude. This is where this is where it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. You know, because we used to be the UCF, the, the best of the non P, the best of the P5s, you know, or non right. P5s, the G5s. This will be, dude, they went undefeated two seasons in a row yeah. and didn't even get a sniff in the playoff. And they'll probably be undefeated this year. And it'll be the same thing. They won't get a sniff in the playoff. Uh-huh. And that's why, dude, they need eight. You give the five champs each a bid, then you got three at large. So if you want to put another SEC in there, great. Two more SEC, great. And then a G5, I mean, they just it's too freaking logical. And in yeah. my mind, I hope, I hope it goes to that, and maybe it will at some point, but that's kind of so. where we're at right now for, is for. The yeah. thing that's frustrating, too, is it's, we're not dealing with uh, common sense things here. We're dealing with uh, NCAA is like a mix of an entertainment corporation and a political organization, and the political part of yep. it is frustrating as can be because the the corporation you know if i see it as just purely for our entertainment why would you not do relegation leagues where 
any team can earn their way totally into the Big I Boy agree. Conference. Yep. I mean, it just it makes all the sense in the world. But you're dealing with money and grants and senators and like you're dealing with things and that go far games beyond football. And just crap. Yeah. Yep. It's, and that's the thing. It's an organization that has no clear leadership. You know? Right. It has right. no head where like one guy can say, okay, this is what we're going to do. No, because the SEC is their own entity, and they're all a bunch of power brokers there with individual individual interests there. And the Big Ten, same thing. And then and then you throw in, don't even get me started on the bowl games, like the Rose Bowl and, right. the, and the Sugar Bowl have so much power in this that it's like there's n- there's no clear solution. I mean, there, there no. logically there is, like you said, yeah. but there's no way to get there. You know, it's, it's yeah. like this – giant long process to eventually turn the culture to where it gets to where we want it but that's another story for another day i i could see this being the impetus that sparks the next revolution where we topple the government start over because you know we love our football yep it all comes back to north and goal we started this political uprising grassroots (laughs) bro oh that'd be great all right, so wrap put a put a bow on that USC BYU game for you. Give, give me your uh, final thoughts. Final thoughts. Um, yeah, the the defensive scheme. So the coordinators, all the criticism that we had about the coordinators, it's the same thing I've been saying. When you see a gamble not pay off, every armchair quarterback is like, "We got to fire these guys. We got to clean house. We're paying them way too much." We saw it work over and over and over. The scheme worked, and I love it because people have been all over Tuiaki for his strategy of "We're not going to blitz." And pregame versus Utah, he said, "We're going to put, we're going to rush three, we're going to drop into coverage," and everybody's like, "Why aren't we blitzing? Why aren't we blitzing?" A guy like Keaton Slovis. Instinctly, you can look at a blitz coming, find the open guy, dump it off. Like you don't have to have years and years and years of experience to be able to do that. I think had we gone after him with a blitz over and over and over again, we wouldn't have won that game. I think dropping all the guys into coverage, having athletic linebackers, sneaky athletic linebackers, which is what they love to say when they're white, but people like yeah. able to get up there, able to snag a ball out of space, and then the pressure from those three to hold their own. I mean, it just it worked beautifully. And that's what I've been saying all along is the coordinators, they spend so much time with their guys. They spend so much time on the tapes, on the film review. I'm trusting them to make the right call, and they did. It worked out great. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, it's, you're right. You look at – I mean, that's what Stanford did with Slovis is they played man-to-man, and mm. he burned them. He torched them. So, yeah, your 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 uh, your philosophy worked because it, it, it did create three turnovers. It did, yeah. you know. Yeah. That 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 scheme created three turnovers. And as I said earlier, as we know, turnovers are a hugely important part of the game. And when you scheme for it and it happens, it's part of it. Okay, so uh, we won't spend a ton of time Perfect. on Utah because – you know, yeah, yeah. It, it it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't my re- much of a game. <laughs> I'll give you my recap of Utah because it's it's so funny. Watch it. I do watch with Twitter, and and like everybody, it's like six BYU tweets because that's exciting to one that's like, look at Huntley, he's awesome. This is what we were talking about. Huntley, this Huntley, that. To and then suddenly, what was Huntley thinking? And then like second half more like I don't know. And so that's that's all I saw was Huntley did great, and then Huntley made a bad decision, and that's all I know about the game. Well, I mean, yeah, because our games are going on simultaneously, so I couldn't yeah. watch the BYU games. So that's where I'm relying on your breakdown, and I was at the Utah game. Um, dude, the thing is, Utah did everything that you'd expect a top 10 team to do against a Division One AA team. Um, yeah. I mean, everything from we had a 90-yard touchdown pass, a 60-yard touchdown pass. Moss's uh-huh. first run was like 40 yards. His, his second run was 30 yards. He had at one point four carries for 98 yards. I mean, he nice. only carried – 
10 times and had over 100 yards and 10 carries. He averaged over 10 yards a carry because, dude, you it, it, it's everything you expected to be. The thing is, here's the problem, is you look at score, 31 zip. Okay, they shut him out. We got 24 points in the first quarter. Um, the problem is Witt just does not like to run the score up unless it's Joe Glenn flipping people off, you know? <laughs> yes, it's just, it's yes. just not his, It's just not his style. He goes right. in, gets a lead, and then shuts it down. And literally the entire second half was second and third stringers with runs up the middle for two or three yards. Yeah. Then the next play, they'd run the clock down to five seconds mm-hmm. and run two or three yards up the middle. It was just the way it was. So if Utah had wanted to win – 80 to 0, they easily could have because they were just so far outclassed Idaho State, but that's just not Wits MO. He got a 30-point lead on the first drive of the second half and shut it down. I mean, mm-hmm. we had our third-string quarterback come in immediately and they were all backups at that point. We didn't even start a lot of our starters. Julian Blackman didn't start. And so, mm-hmm. we did everything that we could have expected um, based on how Wits philosophy is. He's nice. just not a run-up-the-score guy and we won and we killed him and it was it was it was just I mean, it was, it was embarrassing. It was literally like watching a college team play a high school team. It just, and so I, I'm trying to think of what Huntley did to make people say, no, that was a dumb decision. The only thing I can think of, it was it was fourth and goal on the one, and yes. we tried a QB sneak. That was and it. He slipped and fell down. And it wasn't something he did on purpose. He just slipped oh, and right, fell right. down. Yeah. And so the, we didn't we didn't score there. So that's probably what people were pissed about. But he had he had the play of the game was. It was uh, it was in the first quarter still. It was ten nothing, and it was we were on our own fourteen yard line, and he dropped back, and Brian Thompson was streaking down the sidelines. He delivered a perfect pass, sixty yards in the air, and he marched in for the touchdown. It was our longest yeah. pass play in several years, and it, lo- it was gorgeous. It was awesome, and that's why I give my player of the game to Brian. Tom- well, actually, I should give it to Tyler Huntley based mm-hmm. on his. He was he was. Awesome. I mean, he's been awesome this year. His QBR is like top 11 in the country, and he's got no turnovers, and he's he's just done everything right. So I should give yeah. it to him, but I'm going to give it to Brian Thompson because we've been wanting a breakout receiver for a while, and he had two big touchdown catches, and he just looks the part. He's tall. He's athletic. He's fast. He looks like a, a Pac-12 NFL-type receiver, and so he's only a sophomore. I'm hoping he can get there. So my player of the game is Brian Thompson because he had two nice touchdown catches, nice. and we just we did everything we needed to do. It was, it was boring. It was... Not a lot of energy in the stadium. Uh, it was another hot middle of day game, so attendance was wasn't great, which is another topic we can discuss. But I'm not going to get into it because I'm already I, I get frustrated <laughs> that type of stuff. But it was just it was yeah. just a it, honestly, you know what it felt like? It honestly felt like a spring game. When you go to a spring game, there's open seats. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of energy. There's you don't really cheer a ton because your offense just beat your defense or vice versa. Um, and that's right. what it felt like. It was low energy, but it was a dominating performance. And I'm so grateful that that first part of the schedule is over. And I think yeah. we should never schedule a one double A team again. I hate it because there's no benefit. The only drawback, the only thing is is bad. If you don't destroy them, people are pissed. If you lose, then it's a disaster. And then mm-hmm. like might as well, honestly, we might as in my opinion, I would rather schedule a Mountain West game in right. place of right. um, a one division double A because at least there's history there. At least it's a division one team, so you get a better competition, but you're still likely to win anyway. But anyway, they one Yo, one double A out of here. The first few years of independence, Mountain West wanted nothing to do with BYU. And so it was like a five-year break of we're just not going to talk to each other. And then renewing the rivalry in the bowl game with Wyoming and then with San Diego State, and we got San Diego State again on the schedule, uh, is kind of fun, you know, because there is some bad blood that goes back a ways there. So, so yeah, I think that would be good. Now, the other side of that I, is – I really – go ahead. Well, the reason the SEC does it is um, – 
that it's it's almost like a sneaky bye week. Like you can throw in an extra it bye is, week dude. before someone else. Yep, they are master schedulers in the yeah. SEC. They have eight. They have eight conference games instead of nine, and uh-huh. they place one of those crappy division whatever teams in November to basically right. give themselves an extra bye. Like you said, yeah, they're yeah. master schedulers there. Yeah, BYU is good at that too. We schedule ourselves like three or four bye weeks in November against these crappy teams. You know, we just yeah, we got to rest up for break. that bowl game. <laughs> That's right. Um, anyway, yeah. So the funny thing, back to the Mountain West Conference. You know what I do miss? Yeah, I don't miss the Mountain West Conference football games, but I really miss the Mountain West Conference basketball because there were some dang good rivalries there. We had oh, with yeah. Wyoming in the '90s, New Mexico when they were ranked and the pit was crazy. Um, San Diego State had some good stuff. You know, I, sure. I I do miss the Mountain West basketball days. They were they were fun, but not not the not the Mountain West football days. That's I remember for sure. so the All height right. the height of uh, Jimmer Mania having a San Diego State and UNLV. Both elite level. I mean, at, at that those years, I think Mountain West had three top ten teams: UNLV, San Diego State, and BYU. Kawhi Leonard versus Jimmer. I mean, that was some epic battles. That was good. They were. Those are fun times, and they have history, dude. Yeah. Eighty years, and we played. We played Wyoming, who used. I mean, they suck now, but they used to be good back. Yeah. in, You know the the days with like Eric Lechner, and mm-hmm. um, they had a lot of junior college big center dudes. They were always it was always fun rivalries, but that's another story for our basketball yeah. podcast that we'll do later. Okay, so this week, uh, both have big games down in Provo. Yeah. You have another. You start off with three ranked Pac-12 home teams, and you got your third one rolling in, Washington. Washington scares me just because I was there in person last year, as our loyal listeners know, and they looked deadly. I mean, we just we did not belong on the same field as they did. And so just Coach Chris Peterson, I think that's the reason. And every year I feel like he's getting more and more and more talent because he's been there longer and he can recruit better. So I, that is the thing that scares me the most. Now, where my hope comes from is, is they lost to Cal, and I've always felt like if you were to just plug BYU into the Pac-12, they could be about where Cal is. You know, sometimes Cal is not bad, sometimes they are bad, but they're there, and I kind of feel like Cal is a BYU equivalent. And so, you know what, if Cal did it, uh, there's no reason BYU can't. Uh, That being said, I did not study that game film, so I don't know how they did it. I don't know if Cal is really good this year and just out of nowhere. But it it, it kind of gives me just a sliver of hope. I'm not an ex- I'm not expecting a win, but I wasn't expecting a win the last two weeks. So let's just keep that ball rolling. I think we're gonna lose. Well, here and it'll be great. Here's when the we thing win. with Cal. Here's the thing with the Cal game is yes, they've historically been just kind of there the last yeah. little while, at least since Utah's been the Pac-12. But uh, they have a coach right now, Justin Wilcox, who is a defensive mastermind and they are they've got a really really good defense Cal does and they did last year uh-huh. um, and they do again this year and also throw in the fact that that game was kind of wonky because they had like a 4 hour rain delay and they didn't finish the game till th- literally 3 in the morning <laughs> and so ha- most of the fans were gone it was it, it was just kind of a weird game here's the difference though with, with Washington and USC we talked about this I think our last podcast we talked about the talent level, you know, yes. the talent gap versus whatever. Um, but you said good coaching can make up for the talent gap, which absolutely. is absolutely correct. I agree. The difference with USC and Washington is Washington still has high level talent, but they also have, in my opinion, one of the top five coaches in America, Chris Peterson. For sure. And yeah. so he he 
he he can coach that talent up. So I think the difference is like USC, they're uber talented, but they they're just head cases. They're like freaking prima donnas, and they're like yeah. they're like um like I don't know those those white, those shows on MTV with those rich white girls OC whatever, like, whatever <laughs> uh, you know. So yeah, like yeah. they can be great, but they can also be stupid. Whereas I think you uh, Washington, and they've proven they've been to like four straight, if I'm correct, four straight like New Year's Six bowl games, including the playoff. They've been to the Peach, the Fiesta, the Rose. So they are talented. They have a history of success, and their coach is really good. So even when they lose players, he, he has new talent come in, and he coaches them up. So I agree. I think Washington is your hardest game on your schedule, maybe even harder than Utah. I don't know. Um, but definitely those two are your two best teams, Utah and Washington. But Washington, they've got they've got the best coach, in my opinion, in the Pac-12, one of the best in America, and they've got more talent than most teams in the Pac-12. So if you do pull this one off, you know, it's dude. You're, you guys are freaking legit. You know, you guys are legit because I don't think Washington's going to overlook BYU now, especially after the past two weeks. So it, you open the door to the analogies here. You, we're saying that USC is like a like a reality TV star, like someone who's a very attractive person, but high uh-huh. maintenance, high maintenance, a lot of baggage. Yes, sir. Are you yes, sure sir. you want to go down that road? Because you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of baggage. Let's do with it. That. Let's see what you got. Let's Whereas see what you got. Go for Washington it. would be like the looks are there to the same degree. You know, there's no drop off in in attractiveness. But oh, by the way, she's a biochemistry major at MIT. Yeah, perfect. I like it. Or like, okay, like USC is like all the chicks from the OC, you know? Yeah, yeah. And Washington, Washington is Taylor Swift, talented <laughs> and smart and successful. You know, got a good head on her shoulders, right? So that's kind of the difference. Yeah, yeah. There you, you got, go. You got your OC chicks with USC, and then you got Taylor Swift with Washington. Yeah, famous for the sake of being famous, or famous because you're good at something. Yes, I love yes. it. There you go. Perfect. Kim Kardashian versus Taylor Swift. That's, yeah, there you go. That's that's the difference. So uh, what, are, what are your predictions? What do you think happens? Uh, I think BYU makes it closer than they did last year because I think BYU has come a long way. Uh, what was it last year? It was a blowout. It was probably – 31 uh, to, I think, 6 or 31 to 6. 10, something like that. Okay, I'd be happy something if we – Let's let's reduce that margin by fifty percent, and I'm going to say, yeah, that's that makes sense because I think BYU has come a long way. I think they're a lot better. I think they can mitigate the disaster that's awaiting them, uh, and I think their talent, BYU's talent, will shine through on occasion. So I think BYU puts together a much better game than they did a year ago. It is not a blowout. So what would that be like a fourteen point loss? I, I see that being yeah, a, sure. a fair result. Now that being said, I'm not going to be super disappointed with that as long as they don't embarrass themselves. Because again, the eyes of the nation are upon us. If we can look good, if we can keep the game entertaining, if it can still be within our reach in the fourth quarter, that's a, that's all I'm really hoping for from this team in this game. And then getting out of that four game gauntlet two and two, there's no reason to be down about that. Agreed. Agreed. I, I, I agree with you. Before the season, I would have thought, okay, Washington will do what they did last year. It'll be another 31 to five or 31 to five, 31 to six game or 42 to 14, something like that. But two things. One, I don't think Washington's as good as they were last year. Still good, still talented, but not as good. And two, uh-huh. we know in college football, momentum and confidence are huge. Freaking sure. huge, you know. Momentum, yeah. as I always say, is a fickle mistress. And you know what? You have it now. You have a ton of momentum based on your last two weeks. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of hype. And there's I, you can't help but not be confident now as a BYU right. player right. after what happened last week, right? So I think yeah. it's gonna be something like if Washington wins a 31-24 type of game. 
you know, uh-huh. 31, 24, 34, 27, something like that. I do yeah. think Washington pulls it out just based on what we said earlier. Chris Peterson's an excellent coach. Coaching makes up a lot of stuff in college. So I think, I think Washington wins, but it's not, I don't think it's a, a given anymore by any means. Right. Right. Now, I mean, that would be yeah. amazing. Obviously if, if BYU were to win, I would be shocked if they don't crack the top 25. And like you said, BYU being in the top 25 does wonders for Utah. That may, that jumps Utah up to, what, 7-5? I mean, that makes Utah's win all that more impressive. It does. It does. It does. It's twofold, though. It, it weakens the Pac-12. Uh, That's but true. It, but, it, but it strengthens Utah's case. Because if we can go into Washington later in November and they only have one loss and they're still top 15, that does more for us. Yeah. At this point, I think because people are just recency biased. What have you done recently right, versus right. the first game of the year? Okay, so Utah. Okay, this we is this is the one the I really wanted to talk of about the year for us. Yeah, yeah. yeah this is and it, uh, is Utah going to go out and try to replicate BYU's defensive scheme? If you're if you're the defensive coordinator, is that your strategy? Saying, all right, BYU showed us the blueprint. We're doing exactly that. Well, I have to trust Witt that whatever he does, he feels his best. If that's the case, I mean, a lot of times you, you, coaches are kind of prideful and don't like to go away from what makes them good. You know, yeah. um, they think, okay, we got we got pressure from four down linemen. We got the best rush edge in the Pac-12. We've got stellar uh, secondary who can lock these guys down. But I think they mix in kind of more dropping based on just based on how could you not based on what you've seen happen you saw Stanford play man-to-man and they got torched you saw BYU drop eight and they beat them you know so I think what they do rather than like changing their lineup and bringing in another linebacker I think they drop one of the DNs in coverage I think either Max is too high or Tafua picks up the tight ends or linebackers and so I think they do a lot more of dropping in coverage I don't think they wholesale change their entire scheme but I think they mix in a lot of that Um, and here's the thing is like we said earlier, they're talented, right? They're talented. They're head cases, but they're talented. They could they could rise up. They could say, okay, we're one and zero already in Pac twelve. This game will give us a two and zero. We two and zero if we beat Utah, and we'll have the South in the driver's seat. Or they've taken adversity now, and they can just completely fall apart. It could go one of two ways. I hope they fall apart, but I but I'm expecting a good game. I'm expecting Utah to go in, and there's just something. There's something different about this Utah team than any Utah team in the past, and I don't know what it is. It's I, I I think it's the leadership of the players. You listen to Zach Moss. He doesn't pump his chest. He doesn't talk smack. He scores a touchdown, hands the ball to the ref. His interviews are well thought out, well articulated, talking about big-time goals. I think they know what's in front of them, and I think mm. they're driven to be focused each game. Um, and I just think I think we have, we have a senior-laden team that's been through – you know, injuries last year. They won the Pac-12 South last year, and they want more. So I think we go in. I think they give a steady dose of Zach Moss. I think we win this thing like 27 to 20, something like that. Um, and, and the thing is, Zach Moss two years ago in L.A. was kind of his breakout party. He was running freaking Cam Smith over, knocking him on his ass all game long, you know. And it mm-hmm. was glorious, and it was beautiful. And that's kind of when he announced himself like, boom, I am a beast it was that game and from that point on he's been unstoppable and the thing about watching Zach that I, it's just crazy you watch him and he, he just he, he he just looks so methodical when he's out there it's like he doesn't look like he's going super fast but he's knocking dudes out and he's making big plays and not getting tackled so I think we go in give a steady dose of Zach Moss I think we're healthy I, the, the, the two linemen that sat out last week they're back I think Britton Covey gets a larger share of touches he 
Um, he's been in for punt returns and a few passing plays these first three games as they kind of heal up. But I think he's ready to go mm-hmm. full-time. I think uh, Brian Thompson's emerges as a, as a good threat. And I just think, dude, this team is focused. They've got talent on the edge. They've got talent on the cornerback. We've got talent in the backfield. I think we come in and we know what's in front of us, and we, we go in and we win this game 27-20. I I also expect Utah to handle their business. You know, I think, um, and it's just logic. You know, with taking my own biases and preconceived like desires out of this, if Utah handled BYU pretty easily and BYU beat USC, I mean, that logic would follow that Utah is going to control them. Now, the one seed of doubt I'm going to sow in the minds of all Utah fans is schemes it's not always that way we see that in the NBA where matchups you know the Utah Jazz are a terrible matchup with James Harden that doesn't mean they're that much worse their records don't say they're that much worse they just they don't match up well there and I feel like the way BYU won is this offense it's frustrating at times but I also love it they rely heavily on that jet sweep formation where they can go all kinds of different directions. They run a lot more reverses than most college football teams. They rely on the pass game to open up the run game, and that allows a guy like Tyson Williams to just get 8, 10 yards at a time in these chunk runs. So Utah, that's not their identity offensively. I feel like Utah runs to open up the pass, and, and that works for them. That works for them really well. But there is the possibility out there that just that matchup isn't there, that what if USC's defense is built to stop a team that runs to open up the pass? And so I think it's not as automatic as it might seem to the casual fan. There may be just a possibility there that it just it's not in the cards. Yeah, no, and dude, I mean, we, we've, we haven't won down there. And the thing is, the thing is that's funny with this USC matchup is they're the most talented team in the league, but every game we've played has been so good. It's not like Washington State where we've been blown out a couple times or Arizona State. Every time we played them, Mm -hmm. our first Pac-12 game was down in the Coliseum in 2011, and we had a field goal to tie it, and they blocked it you know, to go into overtime. Yeah, Um, that's right. Every game we've had here, we've had three straight wins here in Salt Lake with these guys, two of them last second drives. Last year we blew them out. Um, The last time we played in the Coliseum is so frustrating. We were down one and went for two to win this, and Troy Williams rolled out and had Darren Carrington literally, literally by himself in the back oh, of the end zone. Yes, literally 15 yards no one around him. All he had to do was look up, and he could have just like underhanded it to him, and we win that game. As it was, he tried to score on, his, on the ground, and he, he got tackled. So every game's been really good. So we match up well enough when we're not as good to play good games with them. I just think, mm-hmm. I just think, like I said earlier, this Utah team is different this year. I can't yeah. quite put my finger on it, whether it's player leadership or experience. They just feel different. And I think, you know what, I think after this week we have a much better gauge with how good both Utah and BYU are. Because, you know, you could say early on, okay, Utah hasn't played anyone. That game against BYU, was was it a fluke? Was it Because if we go in, and we destroy USC, then that solidifies to me that Utah is a damn good team. Yeah. Because at that point, we have beat BYU by a lot, everyone else by a lot, and destroyed USC. If we go in, I mean, who knows? Maybe USC because they destroyed Stanford, but you know what? Stanford got their butt kicked by UCF. So maybe, who knows, is, is USC not that good? You know, maybe. Yeah. But I think after this week, we find out if Utah rolls, Utah is a dang good team. Um, so this week tells a lot, man, Both with both of us, both against you against Washington, us against UNC, USC. But I think to win, what we have to do – is just do what we've been doing so far. Play smart. We don't have any. We had one turnover last game, but it was, um, 
it was a fumble, I think. Anyway, so if, if we go in and we play smart, hold on to the ball, just pound Zach Moss, and then you know change up our defense a little bit to confuse Slovis, I think we win. And I think if we can go out of this weekend, 4-0. The next weekend after that, we got Washington State, who will be probably 4-0, and that'll be a huge game, but we'll worry about that next week. So my prediction, 27-20, Zach Moss with the game ball, Utes with a statement win because we'll take control of the South, and let's go. And and if that happens, I would expect the Utah fans who are visitors there to rush the field in the Coliseum. And you know why? It has been 103 years since Utah beat USC. Utah or since Utah beat USC in the Coliseum. It happened 103 years ago. And so when you have that long of a drought and you rush the field. Like it, for BYU, yes. oh, yeah. it had been infinity years since they last beat USC ever. So you rush the field cuz yep. you got to do that. Yep. You got it. One small correction. Um, we've never won in the Coliseum. Our last oh, win down there was in, in a LA field where they played before the Coliseum. So it's been a hundred plus years since we've won in LA, but we've never won in the Coliseum, which I hate when people bring that up for crap's sake. We've been in the league nine years, <laughs> 100 years. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. So stupid, but <laughs> well, that's why I put out, and this is my best tweet of the week. People just are still running with this. The, it's been like 5,400, 5, whatever days. <laughs> Since since USC yeah, last good. BYU, because that is dominance, that and I love that most people get it. You know, like yeah, okay, that number doesn't. I mean, but it's something we see all the time. But there were a few Utes that are like responded to it seriously, and and to, come on, guys, you know me. Anyway, um, preemptive Here's the problem with that is is we have. Twitter is continually adding new users, yes. so it's like we have to defend ourselves our same shtick every year. Like, there's a new uh, batch of idiots that come in and don't understand that we're being sarcastic about crap like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I love it. Preemptive encouragement for you guys. Uh, when USC beats Utah, all is not lost. And the reason I believe that is because I th- just knowing this USC team and having watched Pac-12 football – even if they beat Utah, I think they're going to drop one to one of the two Arizona schools. I think USC is going to have one loss from a team in the north. I think the window is still open for Utah to win the Pac-12 and win the Pac-12 South if they lose to USC. It gets a lot more difficult, but I think it's still it's still doable. And with this team, I would bet on them to do it. Agreed, agreed. And and you'd point no further than last year. We started 0-2 in the Pac-12. We lost mm-hmm. Our, our, our Pac-12 opener against Washington, and then we went on the road and lost to Washington State on a BS block in the back call. But So we mm. started out 0-2, and we still were able to grind out and become South champs. So I agree. It's not over. It takes a huge blow, but it's not over. Because um, 0-1, eh, nothing. We came back from 0-2. But what is over at that point is these pie-in-the-sky um, yeah. playoff hopes and things like that. So um, if, if that's really a, a possibility, we'll find out this weekend. If we win and win big – then we got Wazoo the next week. If we win that, then absolutely we should start thinking playoffs because we'd be 5-0, and 2-0 uh, and in the Pac-12 over two good teams. And right. our schedule lightens up at that point after that. So, now, All right, man, BYU let's wrap fans, this up. Any other- yeah, BYU fans, your heart rate's getting up when you think of, of Utah as a playoff team. I'm going to say this. If, if Coach Kyle Whittingham gets that, gets to the playoffs, and, and heaven forbid they win the playoffs and win national championships, you know what? He's going to retire because why wouldn't you at that point? You just go out a winner, and then the balance is restored to the universe, and everything's fine. So let's just let's welcome that, and it'll be great. Dude, I'll welcome that. I'll t- <laughs> 
to, if Witt, yes, if we're to, if Witt were to retire after this year, just because he got a national championship, hell to the yes, I would take <laughs> that in a second. That would be yeah. the dream. And, and honestly, I I have those super pie in the sky like hopes in the back of my mind, but I know realistically it's not likely to happen. What, yeah. what we really need to focus on is can we win the Pac-12 title game this year and get to the Rose Bowl? But anyway, we'll talk about that as the season progresses. I, I gotta put that out there as a last, Twitter poll. Last thoughts. Uh, well, yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna take the pulse of Twitter and see if BYU fans would also welcome that. I mean, because that's a tough one for us. So yeah, uh, no, I th- I that think is. we've uh, I think that's a, a decent episode. Yeah, just once again, thanks to our sponsors, um, Dr Pepper and uh, Soda Flow. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, the the best treats, snacks, and drinks mankind has ever known. We hope everyone has a great week and be confident in who you are. Be proud of who you are because you matter. Every single person on this planet matters, and you are needed on this planet and in your in your station in life. So thank you for being you, and uh, we will see you guys next week. Go Utes. Go Cougs.